Pending just a few special announcements, Auburn's depth chart appears to be pretty much set. I think you should feel pretty good about it. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every Monday, baseball's Lindsey Crosby, writer at AuburnDaily.com to help us really get to where we need to be in regards to um, just Auburn football season being less than two weeks away. We didn't really see anything change over the course of the weekend regarding Auburn football's quarterback battle. The energy for Abby Ashford is still the same, I understand, but I think with what we are hearing from Coach Kiesau and from Coach Harson and what we've seen on the field, Lindsey, it's still TJ Finley's job. No new updates there. Yeah, and they said that maybe Tuesday they'd be able to announce something. They had to go and watch film and all of that. But it's something where uh, T.J. Finley has been in the system the longest. Uh, T.J. Finley has subsequently been the best, from what we understand, at making sure guys are lined up correctly, at making sure that everything logistically is correct before the snap, Mm -hmm. and then has performed well enough to hold off uh, Robbie Ashford and Zach Calzada. And I would imagine that probably not helping Ashford's case is the fact that quarterbacks have not been live because a running quarterback feels like they're, they're different in a different element when they're live. But Finley has a command of the offense and he's improved enough. Right. And we just have to trust the coaching staff uh, that this is the best move. And we won't find out for sure until at least Mercer, if not later. Right, yeah, I think you're right on that. And the live element is super interesting. This was such a big talking point under the Gus Malzahn era, like in the middle of the Gus Malzahn era before Bo Nix won the job, back when there was quarterback competition, just because Auburn fans were so scarred by the fallout of what Jeremy Johnson brought. And I think you make the argument that, like, yes, it definitely does hurt Robbie Ashford. I I agree with you there, just because he's so mobile and, Look, everything we hear about Robbie Ashford has to do with how fast he is and how athletic he is. Nobody's ever really saying he's a good quarterback. I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback, but that's just not the reports that we're hearing. Whenever somebody asks about him at a press conference, specifically to the coaching staff, they talk about how fast and how mobile he is and that they're working with him in regards to his accuracy. Then they add the caveat that they're working with all quarterbacks near accuracy, which if you take that at face value... Could be concerning at this point of the season, but honestly, it's a little believable too. So, I'm I'm with I'm with you and with folks that think Robbie Ashford will have a role on this team. I don't know if I'm with you in regards to him being the starter against Mercer. And look, there's a lot of people, Lindsay, out there. You see it too. There's a lot of people out there saying, "Hey." You know, I I I don't think this is over once the season starts. And I'm like, yeah, no one is saying that. No one is saying this is over with whoever trots out against Mercer. Nobody's saying that. And and that's not really the way it is anywhere. I mean, as long as you have a quarterback competition, the leash is short. That's the goal, right? Because then it puts pressure on your starter. You need him to perform. And if they don't, you can switch them out. That's 
that that's there. And so all these folks that are saying like, oh, well, you know, just because TJ Finley's name starter doesn't mean he'll be the starter against LSU. It's like, yeah, it's always been that way. Nothing has changed. If Zach Calzada would have won the job, that wouldn't have changed. That's that's the situation we knew we were in going into all of this. Let me point out last year, Bo Nix was, what, a third-year quarterback in the SEC? And he there was not, to, to our knowledge, a quarterback competition. And he got pulled during the Georgia State game. So... I mean, it is entirely possible that the quarterback that 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 takes the first snap at Penn State is a different quarterback than Mercer or at LSU. It's possible a change is made during the game. I expect you probably will see both quarterbacks play against Mercer, either because it's a blowout or simply, like you said, because there's some sort of role for Robbie Ashford because they want to see what he can do under actual game conditions. And, you know, it's like you said, when this decision is made, it's not the done, locked in, in stone for the rest of the year. Things can always change. If they think Finley's the if they think Finley's the guy and he ends up being the guy, he can stay the quarterback. If he's not the guy, you can make a change. So it's not, the season's not doomed, people who don't like TJ Finley. Season's not doomed if he's named the starter this week. Right. And once again, I, I mentioned this on, on the special shows that we put up this past uh, weekend, put one up Saturday morning and Sunday morning. Just recapping what these coaches say about TJ Finley and the other quarterbacks, but it goes back to they see him as a coach on the field. And then when Brian Harson is asked about what he wants in a starting quarterback, he says the exact same stuff with the way he describes TJ Finley. And when they describe Robbie Ashford and Zach Calzada, there's always caveats, or it's not about him. Uh, it's not about one of those guys like running the offense, it's about how athletic Robbie Ashford is. And there's value in that. There's certainly a role for him on this team. I'm not saying that there isn't, but I just think what the coaches say, it does matter. And how they say it does matter. I know people like Robbie Ashford. I like Robbie Ashford. I think there's an exciting role on this team for him. But when it comes down to it right now, from an accuracy standpoint, if you take out Holden Gertner, because he looked exceptional in the in the practice window that we saw um, this weekend, but is TJ Finley? I, I I would be shocked if it's not TJ Finley's job going out against Mercer. And look, there's a lot of folks that are all about Robbie Ashford right now, and it's fine. You can feel that way. I, I just don't think it's there. I just don't think it's there right now. And there's Lindsay. Just real quick before we move on, there's a lot of folks saying if TJ Finley starts the season, he will not be the starter for the entire season. And I just don't think that's a good mindset to have. Um, I, I, I just think, I think it's a weird move that Auburn fans are, a lot of Auburn fans are doing that. And I, I don't know if you'd see that everywhere. I'm sure you'd see it some places. And I'm sure there'd be sections of fan bases everywhere that would do it. But it's just, a, why are you assuming that this coaching staff is making the wrong decision? That's, that's kind of my biggest beef with all of this. That's the point I was about to make. If you if you think that Finley's going to get the job and then lose the job later, you're saying that the coaching staff can't properly assess the skill of a quarterback. And it's like, okay, so what does that say about our chances if our coaching staff can't even figure out who the best quarterback is? It's going to be bad. Yeah. So don't think like that. And I think people who think like that have an inherent prejudice or bias against TJ Finley based off what they saw last season not accounting for, we have new information. 
because he's gone through a full offseason as the starter. Uh, he's gone through a full spring practice and a fall camp as the starter and had time with the ones and had a chance to develop. So, Right, yeah. It, it's just the whole, like, if Brian Harson made this decision, assuming he picks TJ Finley publicly this week, with the anticipation of like, okay, if, you know, I'm going to pull him for Robbie Ashford by week three. Like that doesn't, doesn't make sense. He would just start Robbie Ashford. I mean, those reps, and we got to see how they handle Mercer and San Jose State. But the reps that whoever the starter is in those first two games with the starting offense, they are so important. It's crucial. So crucial, especially for a, a guy like Robbie Ashford, who's never played in a college football game before. Don't you think if that was in the back of Brian Harson's mind, he'd be like, you know what? I'm going to give as many reps as possible to Robbie Ashford so he can have two full games under his belt before Penn State comes to Jordan-Hare Stadium, before Missouri comes to Jordan-Hare Stadium, before LSU comes to Jordan-Hare Stadium, and then we go off to Athens and play in one of the hardest places to play in all of college football, the guys that, that won the national championship a year ago. Like, if that was just, like, the proper mindset, and when you say stuff like this, you're saying you know more than the head coach does which I don't care. You can say whatever you want. I'm just saying this is what you're saying when you're saying, and I hope you realize that you're saying this, is when you go out and say, hey, if TJ Finley starts the season, he won't finish the season starting. Brian Harson and his coaching staff do not have that approach just because it doesn't make any sense, Lindsay. Yeah, their, their motivation is to win as many games as possible. And if they think that Ashford is the better quarterback, they're going to start him in week one. And if they... If they are, if they make a big enough mistake where they say Finley's the guy over Ashford or or over Calzada, right? And they have to make pull, you know, pull the string on him rather early in the season. Things are bad all the way around for Auburn. The roster, the depth chart is pretty much set when you look at this. Pending a few official announcements, obviously the quarterback position is the biggest one. We've got a great picture of what the offensive line looks like, even more so after. Saturday's open practice. We'll talk on that in just a moment. Right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the best place for all of your sports wagering and sports gambling information. You can check it out with action happening pretty much every night with Major League Baseball. Futures are all over the place for college football and the NFL. In just a few weeks, it won't be futures anymore just because we'll be in the season. We are so close. We are so close. Heck, week zero lines are up at Bet Online. Be sure to check those out as well. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Lindsey Crosby of AuburnDaily.com. The offensive line is essentially what we thought it would be. On Saturday, though, we saw Killian Zaire, Brandon Council, Nick Brahms made his return, and then at right guard was Keandre Jones, right tackle Austin Troxel. I think we'll see Cam Stutz at one of those guard spots. Uh, over council when it's all said and done. But I like the fact that we saw Nick Brahms back. Obviously, that's super important. But also, we saw the same offensive line with Tate Johnson as if they're preparing if Nick Brahms can't go. I thought that was valuable information. And it's like, okay, they are actually preparing to enter the season with Nick Brahms not being ready. Yeah, they have plan A and plan B. Plan A is obviously Nick Brahms, the veteran. Uh, who is delaying his piloting career one season to finish out his his eligibility at Auburn. Uh, but you know, Tate Johnson has gotten a lot of reps behind 
Um, Nick Brahms, I know that they've worked Council a little bit at center. They've worked Avery Jernigan a little bit at center. Sure. But Tate Johnson is the guy. And what I like, the offensive line, so much of offensive line play is chemistry. And it's understanding what the guys on the other side of you are going to do. And for the center, it's familiarity with the quarterbacks and with snapping to them, both in shotgun and under center. Sure. And so Tate Johnson having consistent reps all throughout the, the summer and fall rotating in for Nick Brahms or filling in for Nick Brahms is invaluable if it ends up that Nick Brahms for some reason cannot go, um, whether it's 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 the hell it's a, some sort of new injury or it's the health, the existing health of the knees after the offseason procedure that he had. Yeah. And I love that it's Tate Johnson because it's another example of showing that this coaching staff, if you work hard and you're the best player at that position group, you will be there. I mean, Jaleel Irvin started the bowl game at center. You'd have to think that he was the favorite to be the backup center going into the offseason, and that wasn't the case. In fact, he slid down the depth chart, but, I mean, quite quite largely. I mean, they're, they're rotating other centers. He's at centers. white guard right now. I yeah, mean, yeah. And so, you know, you got to think that that's something that um, they were concerned with kind of putting him back out there at center based on that performance against Houston. It, it wasn't super good. So, that, to me, Lindsay, I liked. Um, other position battles that I think we've seen, these wide receivers, it seems like we have a solid first three, which is Shedrick Jackson, Tarvarish Dawson, and Malcolm Johnson Jr. We did see that when Shedrick Jackson wasn't in, Camden Brown was with the starters, so that is encouraging, I think, to a lot of Auburn fans. They definitely want Camden Brown on the field, and rightfully so. The guy's, the guy's a stud. Um, he certainly looks the part, and we'll see what happens when the lights turn on. But also, I think Coy Moore and Javarius Johnson, I think that's your top six when you look at it. Zevion Capers is probably your seventh option, sixth or seventh option when you look at the wide receiver rotation. And I think it certainly depends on which position, you know, which wide receiver slot we're talking about here. But all in all, like, this is the best I felt about a wide receiver group at Auburn in a long, long time. Yeah, I mean... That's a pretty deep top six. If Zevian Capers is your seventh option, you have to feel good about like your seventh guy is not a converted walk-on or right. not, you know, a guy who's changing positions. It's a guy with tons of athletic talent who for some reason hasn't been able to have the consistency to earn more playing time. And we didn't even mention, you know, transfer Dazlin Warsham. We didn't mention Omari Kelly. We didn't mention the story of um, winter and spring. Landon King moving to wide receiver. Sure. I, I know he'll have a specific role in certain situations, big yeah. slot, probably a red zone kind of thing. But it's a very deep top six, and you can very much understand what everybody is there to do. Uh, Tavares Johnson, Javaris Johnson are both there to, one, um, have asterisks in their first names, and then, two, to run the slot. Correct. Uh, you know, like, it's just – like it's very defined roles for every player. And you can see how, if you miss somebody, somebody there's another player that does that same job who can step up into their role. So you have to feel good about the depth. If you have an injury or two, because that's, that usually is what happens. Yeah. You have plenty of quality backup depth instead of just warm bodies at the position. Yeah. And that's not counting, <clears throat> excuse me, two or three tight ends that may also be top, you know, five, six, seven targets on this roster as well. So there's a lot, a lot to like. 
regardless of how the dominoes fall, the quarterback battle, as well as other position groups, it's going to be interesting to see how folks respond. I'll talk about that in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Lindsey Crosby, our guest, as always, on Mondays. A lot of talk, obviously, about Zach Calzada going into the season. A lot of folks, uh, both of us included, thought that he would be Auburn's starter going into the year. That certainly does not seem like that will be happening at this point in fall camp. So I'm curious to see what a guy like Calzada and other folks that lose position battles in Calzada looks like you know, he may be the third quarterback on this depth chart. What do they do, right? I mean, do, do, they, do they go through the year? Do they enter the portal as soon as they're told the news? The next few weeks are going to be really interesting for Auburn's depth chart, obviously, but throughout college football as well, Lindsay, with, with folks that realize, oh my gosh, I'm so much farther down the depth chart as possible. Because like, look, Calzada did not transfer to Auburn to be the third string quarterback. I, I just don't believe that. I don't think that was um, on his mind when he made the decision to come to Auburn. So I'm really, really interested to see what he'll do. And we've already seen situations this season, like th- this fall, where guys are not getting the job and are transferring or retiring. Miles Brennan, on its 37th year of eligibility, Wild. Uh, has finally, you know, like he said he's he's retiring from football because he did not earn the starting job. But John Reese Plumley just earned the starting job as of Sunday afternoon at UCF for Gus Malzahn. And wow. so we're seeing guys enter the portal. It's something where I've talked to, at, at length about how depth will always work itself out. Quarterback feels like the one position where most top programs are not as deep as they'd like to be because you have a guy who you can only play one at a time and you have a guy who is third on the chart and leaves versus sticking around and earning his way into the backup job and being one injury away from starting. And so I'm curious to see who sticks it out who leaves, I feel like the number of transfers that we had out of the program last year, a lot of the guys who for some reason weren't bought into the way Brian Harson does stuff have already left. And so everybody who's here, I'd like to think understands the possibility of, I, sh- I think I should be the starter, but if I don't necessarily show it and earn it in practice, I'm not going to be. I'd like to think we're going to have a below average number of transfers. But like you said, really excited or interested to know what legitimately is going to happen because we just have no idea. Especially with folks that have already transferred, like a Calzada. He already uses free transfer. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what his academic situation is. Perhaps he can graduate this year and then he can use his grad transfer. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, he would have to graduate super early for that to happen. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I just, I, I think that would be a bit rare if he was able to pull that off. So, does he, if you're in that situation, do you just go ahead and like, do you go ahead and sit out? Do like what Jarrett Stidham did where he transferred from Baylor to like that junior college. And then that way, once you're there a year, you can go wherever you want immediately again. Like it's going to be fun to see how different folks navigate these waters just because it's so new. Everybody's learning this kind of at the same time based on how people handle it. But that's going to be one that, that's it really, really interesting. But I think the good thing for Auburn is I don't know how many other position groups there really are. Um, you you got to think the defensive line rotation is going to be so deep that there will be enough people happy 
Or you can see the future where it's like maybe you're the third string guy and then all of a sudden you're like, well, when these four guys either go to the draft or run out of eligibility at the end of the season, I'll be, you know, I'll be a top five guy in the rotation all of a sudden. So every position group outside of quarterback, I'm thinking through and I'm like, you know, what? I don't think Auburn's really going to have a whole lot of guys leave. Yeah, from a personnel standpoint, something Auburn's done a good job of is a lot of their expected starters and expected backup depth, like in the two deep, are either um, older players who are, you know, coming towards the end of their eligibility or guys who have already transferred once. And so if they don't get to play right away or they don't get to be the guy, like you said with Calzada, they have to think about, well, if I transfer, I have to miss a year of competition. Because if you if you enter the portal the beginning of September, you are not playing in the fall. Even if you drop down to a junior college, you are not going to go play yeah. that semester. And so really the best thing to do may be to just, if you want to transfer, stay on the roster, continue to have access to the weight room, right. nutrition and development, maybe have a chance with some injuries breaking the right way to get on the field and then transfer at the end of the season, announce you're entering the portal at the end of the season versus doing it now. Um, that just may be the way that college football is going to work now is at the end of the season, you're going to see the guys who would have normally said in August, they're leaving, they'll leave in December or January. Um, not quite sure how that's going to break out. Like you said, really interested to see, but I think Auburn's done a good job personnel wise of getting guys who have already used the free transfer. Yeah. And also like just to be a fly on the wall as Brian Harson, and I assume Keesaw will be in the room too. He may not be. When they talk to all these quarterbacks, you know, who wins the job, who gets second, who gets third, and, and all of that, you know, if Calzada is down more on the depth chart than he thought he would be, how does Brian Harson like, try to re-recruit him? Like, hey, you know, things could go wrong with these first two guys, the two guys in front of you, you know, stick around and, and, and be ready. You know, you, you point to, like, TJ needing to be ready last year, that type of thing. Maybe that's something you point to. But also, like, if Auburn's in that situation, Lindsay, where, like, they have to go to their third quarterback of the year, um, you got to think things aren't going super well. And no. then it's almost like, man, yeah, maybe you just put Gurner in and go ahead and, like, start, you know, start developing him. So, like, I, I don't even know if that really makes sense, you know? It's something that if you can preserve his red shirt, like, at all costs, just because of eligibility and the way the years break down, Preserve his red shirt, but if it comes down to you've lost Finley and Ashford and Calzada, and you're looking at Garner or a walk on, and I'm, I'm not even talking about in, I'm not even talking about injuries. I'm just talking about performance, oh, like effectiveness. Yeah. yeah, like if we're citing, you know, a lot of the Auburn folks that are saying if TJ starts the year and he's, you know, he he won't finish it. Um, I'm assuming they're talking about performance. I'm I, I'm hoping they're not just assuming he's going to be injured because I think that would be a really messed up thing to do. So I'm just saying from a performance standpoint, right? Like if if TJ, you know, doesn't look the part against Penn State, and then Robbie gets a chance to kind of get things right against Missouri and LSU, and maybe things don't look as good as you thought they would with him, and then what do you do? Like that that type of situation is what I'm talking about. Yeah, and the. I, the appeal to me there is Finley and Ashford are two completely different sort of quarterbacks. And so um, Harson can say, well, I like the pro style guy. So, you know, Finley's my starter. Calzada is another look at that. Um, Ashford's the completely opposite defensive picture. 
It's a completely different right. way to prepare for him. If neither one of those two approaches works, <laughs> let me just go for the handpicked guy that I recruited and I signed because I said he fits exactly what I want to do. Yeah. And so it, it comes down to Calzada or, or Holden Garner. I think where you are in the season probably influences that. True. If it's later in the year, you've got three games left or four games left. You're more open to doing that than you would be if it was six or seven games left and you lost the red shirt for Garner. Right. Lindsey Crosby, how can people find you, hear you, read you, all of that stuff, brother? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show, Locked on MLB Prospects, available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. The writing, AuburnDaily.com, and the merch, AUShirts.com. Yes, my writing is also at AuburnDaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at ZBlackerby. And we'll see you tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn. Yeet!